0: Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast, nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings, with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. Not everyone is meant to make a difference, but for me, the choice to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. In three days, hang on for the ultimate spin. Rated PG-13 opens Friday.
1: How come yours is always so, like, clean, and this one just always spills everywhere? You're a, mess. You're
0: a mess. Hello, and welcome to episode 95 of Two Geeks, Two Beers. I'm Morgan Jeffrey, and I'm so high, I can hear heaven. With me, <laughs> he's some kind of freaky-loo or something. whack a it's Tom Eames.
1: <laughs> Hello. Uh, thank you for reminding me of uh, Chad Kroger. I hope we talk about it more later. Of course,
0: of course I will. <laughs> Who are we? you sure you want to know this podcast is not for the faint of heart yes still on a comic book theme after last episode's drunk history of heroes we're web slinging back to the early 2000s to revisit sam raimi's spider-man the release of which marked a huge moment in pop culture and continues to shape cinema almost two decades later so coming up sorry my mouth just filled with saliva then i don't know what happened I was like, oh.
1: Well, that's apt because uh, Josie Scott was the uh, lead singer for Saliva, wasn't he? So, yeah. he,
0: he was. That wasn't even. Yeah. Didn't even plan that. <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> so, coming up how Spider Man almost sunk Titanic, uh, how it almost launched an MCU of its own, and the alternative sequel you might not be aware of. Mm. So, Tom, what are your memories of 2002's Spider Man?
1: Well, listeners, you'll be amazed to know. I have seen it. Oh. <laughs> it's a good start. That's a, a good start. start. Isn't it? Yeah, no, I um, I yeah, I loved it when it came out. The the first one. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Because uh, before Spider-Man, the film, you had X-Men. That was kind of the only two. Like, obviously, X2, I think, came out before Spider-Man. I, I might be wrong. Might be um, around that sort of time.
0: I think. Uh, I think around around about the same time.
1: Yeah, so obviously, obviously, you had like Batman and Superman films from before that. But in terms of like early noughties, this was mm. these were the the big ones that were happening at the time. And it was a while before MCU started, so superheroes weren't they still weren't like cool. No. Even though X Men was great, they still weren't like considered cool at the time. Not mainstream, they're still a bit nerdy. Yeah, they're not mainstream yet. And um, but this was it was exciting because I feel like um, I didn't really know much. I didn't read Spider Man comics at the time. I didn't know much about the character. Um, but as I'm sure you can guess, I'm sure you did as well. Um, related to him a little bit, um, Toby McGuire's performance. He wasn't like your typical like heartthrob actor, you know, not not an unattractive man, but he was just he's just, you know, a, a regular dude, it seemed. Um, he wasn't he wasn't all about being ripped or anything like that. He was just you know, a high school kid and um yeah, it was great. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um and then it obviously kick started the next few years of the super, sort of superhero films that didn't quite cut the mustard before MCU did it properly. You know, like, mm. it inspired things like Daredevil and um, and all those sort of films, but uh, Fantastic Four and all that. But, no, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I've seen the second one, haven't seen the third one, probably for obvious reason.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bother. Um, yeah. It's something I realised um, researching this episode, which really struck me, was that this film came out in 2002... And mm. Iron Man came out in two thousand and eight. There was only six yeah. years between them, which God. seems mad because yeah. this this does very much feel like it feels like it came out years, if not decades, yeah. before the kind of the modern. Because we so much we so think of the Marvel movies, the MCU, as being like modern cinema, and this already mm. feels like a classic. Um, yeah. It feels but this like,
1: was the this was the first one which was like a major box office success, wasn't it? In terms of um, mo- modern, as it were, inverted commas. Um, superhero films. I think this was the first one to take it to another stratosphere. So
0: it was it was a big, big hit. Yeah. And I I was really, really excited for this movie, uh, when it came out. So I was quite basic in that my two biggest loves as a Marvel fanboy, as someone who did read the comics, were uh X Men and Spider Man. Uh the comics I loved and then the animated series, uh both of which we've covered in episodes eighteen and seventy of this podcast. Um, <laughs> So to have the X-Men film, the first one in, in 2000, which I really loved at the time, and then this two years later, I thought, this is it. As a Marvel fan, it won't ever get any better than this. Um, <laughs> Little did you know. But, you know, as much as you know, you've got the MCU now, which I love, but I think there is something great about the simplicity of this Spider-Man film and Spider-Man 2... Um, although I have to say, controversially, I prefer the first film, which I know is a, an unpopular opinion. Um, but I think it's that sim- simplicity that means they stand the test of time, which is why people now are so excited about the possibility of these movies being revisited, possibly mm. in some form. But more on that later. So let's kick things off with the trailer for 2002's Spider Man.
1: Who am I? You sure you want to know? If somebody told you I was just your average, ordinary guy, not a care in the world, somebody lied. truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated.
0: Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all
1: right?
0: I'm fine.
1: Pete, look, you're changing. I know I went to do exactly the same thing at your age. Woo-hoo! No, not exactly. Wow. May I introduce my father, Norman Osborne?
0: Great honor to meet you, sir. Harry tells me you're quite the science whiz. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Whatever
1: it is, somebody has to stop it. With great power comes great responsibility. This
0: is my gift. Wow. It is my curse. Who are you? Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Do I get to say thank you this time?
1: Do too much. You're not Superman, you know.
0: Core. All right,
1: that That looks amazing, even now, like nearly 20
0: years later. And. You've you've not watched. You didn't watch. Yeah, you know, of course you've not done your research. You didn't go back and watch Spider Man before this, and you've not watched it for a few years. But that that trailer was playing. You were quoting some of the lines.
1: Yeah, you know. yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's you know so many moments in that, and obviously the upside down kiss is iconic in cinema. Mm-hmm. I'd say you now that that whole thing. But yeah, no, just still, still holds up, still looks really good. So I was thinking, like other other films, even of that era, like Daredevil. I don't want to keep slagging off Daredevil, but like you know, even you know, films from not that far before it, like late 90s, look quite dated now. Whereas yeah. that looks, you know,
0: looks really good, it's nearly, mm.
1: nearly 20 years old.
0: You, uh, th- 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 there's a moment in that trailer where uh, uh, Tobey Maguire is shirtless, and you rolled back your <laughs> earlier comment. Where you're like, actually, he is uh, he is quite ripped, but. What I will say about Toby Maguire's physique in Spider-Man and I won't dwell on it. It's attainable. It's attainable. This is it. I won't dwell on it for long. (laughs) But that looks he looks like if if and this is a big if, me and you, you know Actually tried. Cut out cut out the KFC and worked out a bit, we could we could look like Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man. We're not gonna ever look like Chris Hemsworth, but we could potentially we could potentially look like look like Tobes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so, so Spider-Man was released in the United States on the 3rd of May, 2002. But its journey from comic book to the big screen was long and complex, taking 20 years with numerous Damn. aborted attempts in that time. So bear with. Um, so was this the first Spider-Man film, like proper film? Yeah, so there was a Spider-Man TV series in the 70s. And I think yeah. they might have done that thing of, you know, jamming a, a couple of episodes together and, and releasing it yeah. as a quote-unquote film. But this was yeah. the first ever Spider-Man wow. motion picture. Mm. There you go. Um, so in the early 1980s, Marvel Comics began negotiations with film producers to bring Spider-Man to the big screen. Uh producer roger corman was the first to hold an option on the spider-man property and began to develop a film at orion pictures uh spider-man co-creator stan lee was brought on to write a screenplay which featured cold war themes and dr octopus as the primary antagonist but the project did not come to fruition following budgetary disputes between corman and lee corman presumably wanted no budget lee wanted some um The the film rights were then acquired by Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus of the Cannon Group and Leslie Stevens, the creator of The Outer Limits, was hired to write the screenplay. Stevens' script featured Peter Parker as an ID badge photographer who becomes subject to a mad scientist experiment which transforms him into a human tarantula. Um, hmm. So, did they read the comics? I I don't know. Uh, And uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Toby Hooper uh, signed on to direct, but Stanley intervened. He hated the horror route the studio was taking with the character yeah. and demanded that a new script be written that was closer to the source material. Uh, so by 1985, a new script was being written by Ted Newsom and John Braccato, uh who is the co-writer of Terminator 3 and Terminator Salvation. Uh, yeah. And in this version, Peter Parker receives his spider-like abilities from a cyclotron experiment and Dr. Octopus again served as the villain
1: what's a cyclotron experiment
0: <laughs> you, you said that like it was
1: something we should all know what it is
0: well what i like is that you expect me to have that information at my fingertips like like i'm going to two like two or three beers in go well tom how a cyclotron experiment i don't i don't fucking know google it it's
1: apparently a particle accelerator a particle um,
0: yeah it's like a particle accelerator it's like um, you know like that that
1: thing they did the big one what called. was
0: what what was it what was the big the big one they did what was the big, big one? What the
1: hadron it? collider. Hadron collider. So yeah, yeah.
0: Peter Parker was in a in a large hadron collider and yeah. and became Spider Man that way. I guess it's right. as credible as any other way. So
1: yeah.
0: Um, Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter writer Barney Cohen, um, was brought in to do a rewrite on this version of the film, which added humor, action scenes, and a supporting villain. Joseph Zito was also hired by Canon to direct the film, having previously directed the commercially successful Invasion USA for the studio. Now, at this point, we get onto uh, rumoured casting. So, <laughs> again, bear with, for the role okay. of Peter Parker, Spider-Man... So, what, uh, so
1: what, what era are we talking here? So, this is... 80s. Mid-80s. This is it, mid-80s. This is eight, 80s. So, oh, for the well, role... Michael J. Fox, surely?
0: Not... No, because actually, that, that would have been... That, that would have been okay. No.
1: Yeah.
0: Far less suitable for the role. Um, oh, okay. So, so, who who do you think was it uh, was apparently considered to play Peter Parker, Spider Man? Think think who's a who's a a choice leading man of the mid eighties.
1: So not Michael J. Fox.
0: Um, no. Uh youngish i tom, guess C- tom cruise cruise it was cruise all oh, right uh, okay there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cruise, i was cruise. thinking
1: what films came out in 85 i thought legend might have done Right. And actually, as, as, I, actually
0: you know cruise was, was 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 you know around about the right age i guess i mean
1: time. i would have watched the shit out of tom cruise being spider-man that would have been amazing
0: <laughs> oh god I can only imagine um bob hoskins was apparently considered for oh. doctor for doctor octopus
1: what um, cast, yeah. Oscars, and, and
0: crews, <laughs> and and for Aunt May, uh, Lauren Bacall and Catherine Hepburn uh, were considered. So what? like super like glamorous creme de, creme de, de la May.
1: creme of, of casting that would have been all of that.
0: Now this uh, and this is I'm debatable. Uh, a- allegedly up for the role of Mary Jane, and I <laughs> I've only kept in the the more credible names and i'll tell you some of the ones that were also listed afterwards so apparently up for mary jane and again this does feel like a list of of actresses um rebecca de mornay (laughs) no no, uh, jennifer jason lee ali sheedy jodie foster sarah jessica parker nicole kidman julia roberts molly ringwald jennifer connelly and winona Ryder, who were all certainly actresses working at that time that's they, that were just, just, they were just big actresses in in the eighties. But some of the names on IMDb. Now, bear in mind, this movie was was let's say this is nineteen eighty five. One of the names allegedly up for Mary Jane was Alison Hannigan, who I'm pretty sure was about a bit about twelve no, at the time. No. Um, I think they were <laughs> at like, best. whoever makes up this IMDb trivia bullshit was like, who's got red hair? Alison Hannigan. <laughs> yeah. Sh- she'll do. I'll I'll put that in there and see if anyone runs with it. Well, we Nonsense. didn't. We caught you out. Um, Stan Lee himself expressed his desire to play J. Jonah Jameson in the film. oh he
1: would have been great,
0: wouldn't he? Uh, uh, apparently, he auditioned, and didn't get it. So oh. <laughs> uh, he looks the part. I don't know if he, gave, he does. He does you know. look. Get, get me pictures of Spider-Man. Um, so the project was tentatively titled Spider-Man: The Movie imaginative, and uh, was budgeted between 15 and $20 million. However, following the critical and financial failure of Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and Masters of the Universe, the He-Man movie, uh, which were produced by Canon, the budget for Spider-Man was cut to $7 million. Uh, mm. Which, even at that time, was not a lot of money. So Joseph Zito, the director who'd been hired, he was unwilling to compromise and stepped down as director. And he was replaced by B-movie director Albert peon Um, who was willing to make the film at a lower budget. Apparently most of the movie would have now uh, been set in the sewers of Brooklyn, so they were literally going to film in the sewers, uh, where Spider-Man would chase after and fight with the lizard. Uh, Pian had planned to film two weeks worth of scenes for Spider-Man, before nerdy Peter Parker is bitten by a radioactive spider. And then uh, Scott Laver, who was the actor and stuntman he had, he had uh, planned to play the part, would undergo a supervised eight-week workout regimen to build muscle mass. So he would have, like, bulked up in the interim. So it seemed like he suddenly got super buff uh, from the radioactive spider bite. Uh, but the project was cancelled following Canon's acquisition by Pathé and Menahem Golan's departure from the studio. So by 1989, Golan attempted to revive the project uh, using the original script, budget, and storyboards that he had previously developed at Canon. Uh, In order to receive production funds, he sold the television rights to Viacom, the home video rights to Columbia Pictures, and the theatrical rights to Carol Co Pictures, where James Cameron became attached to write (laughs) and direct the film. Uh, So Cameron had previously met with Stan Lee to discuss a possible X-Men film. Uh, until Lee apparently convinced Cameron that he would be a better choice to direct Spider-Man. Cameron submitted a treatment to Carol Coe in 1993 which apparently served as a darker more adult take on the character's mythos in addition to featuring Spider-Man's origin story it also included variations on the villains Electro and Sandman Uh, so Electro was reimagined as a megalomaniac how do you say that? Megalomaniacal (laughs) Megalomaniacal? He's a megalomaniac.
1: Yeah how do you say yeah. That? All right. Yeah.
0: All right. So, Electro was reimagined as a megalomaniacal. There you go. Businessman uh, named Carlton Strand. While Sandman was written as Strand's personal bodyguard named Boyd. Uh, Cameron's treatment also featured heavy profanity and a sex scene between Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson atop the <laughs> Brooklyn Bridge. Um, oh, yeah. So I guess it's a it's an improvement on the whole man turns into a giant tarantula uh, oh, yeah. att- attempt. But maybe not not quite on point. It's for Um, kids, is it? uh, So Carol Coe had set a 50 million budget for Spider-Man, but progress would be stalled when Golan sued Carol Coe for attempting to make the film without his involvement. James Cameron had recently completed True Lies for 20th Century Fox uh, as part of a production deal with the studio. Fox attempted to acquire the film Spider-Man for Cameron, but this proved unsuccessful. So this was kind of early to mid-90s at this point. Um. So Cameron now abandoned the project uh, And began work instead on Titanic uh, Which of course wow. eventually released in 1997 yeah. So if James Cameron's Spider-Man had gone ahead Titanic might never have been made And become a <laughs> cinematic phenomenon Cameron revealed in a 1997 interview On the Howard Stern show That he actually had Titanic star Leonardo DiCaprio uh, In mind wow. to, to play Peter Parker in his Spider-Man um, That would have he, yeah, he also apparently considered uh, Michael Behan uh, at, at an earlier stage as well. Um, apparently, Charlie Sheen actively campaigned for the role, uh, but Cameron wasn't <laughs> interested. Um,
1: what it, in... in what, 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 so what, in the ni- mid-90s?
0: Early, early 90s. Okay, I suppose... Yeah, hot, hot, even then, isn't he? <laughs> hot Shots era. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Now... Can you guess who was in line to play Doctor Octopus in James Cameron's Spider-Man?
1: Oh wow! So we're
0: talking. I mean, uh, go 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 for your first instinct. Don't resist your first instinct.
1: Oh Arnie!
0: It was Arnie. Yeah. All right. Bar- <laughs> uh, Fucking yeah. hell, every time. <laughs> Apparently, he was he was uh, yeah in line to play Doc Ock, but uh, it didn't happen. Um, so in 1995, MGM acquired 21st Century Film Corporation. Which, that, which then gave them access to all the previous Spider-Man scripts uh, that had been in development. MGM then sued Viacom, Sony Pictures and Marvel, who they accused of fraud in the original deal with Canon. Uh, and the following year, 21st century, Carol Coe and Marvel would all file for bankruptcy. Now, hmm. this all sounds very dull. I'll explain why it's not in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel emerged from bankruptcy in uh, 1998 and declared that Menahem Golan's option on making a Spider Man film had expired and that the rights had reverted to them. Marvel then, uh, having uh, reclaimed the film rights, they sold them to Sony Pictures Entertainment, uh, Columbia Pictures' parent company, for $7 million. So Marvel's bankruptcy. Uh, from the uh, sort of mid to late '90s, is why the rights to so many of their heroes were sold off. You know, there was no, there was no Marvel Studios at this time, so they sold off the screen rights when they were in financial dire straits to the likes of Sony and Fox and Universal. The ramifications of which, of course, are still felt to this day. With, yeah. with Sony having a stake in Spider-Man still. So, in April 1999, Sony Pictures optioned from MGM all preceding script versions of a Spider-Man film, but only exercised the options on the Cameron material. Uh, however, while they kept parts of his treatment, the studio announced they were not hiring Cameron himself to direct the film, nor would they be using his script with the profanity and the sex. Uh, the studio lined up the likes of Roland Emmerich, uh, Tim Burton, Tony Scott, Ang Lee, who would later direct Hulk, of course, uh, Jan de Bont, and M. Night Shyamalan as potential directors for their Spider-Man movie. Cream of um, the crop
1: of this era's uh, directors. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes, every single one you could think of. Ben.
0: Um, Chris Columbus, uh, who uh, he also was in line to direct Spider-Man, but turned it down to make the first Harry Potter movie, um, which came out uh, just a year before. Uh, David Fincher was also apparently considered, but he uh, he didn't want to go the traditional route. He didn't want to depict Spider-Man's origin story uh, and instead wanted to make a film based on the 1973 comic book storyline The Night Gwen Stacy Died, um, but the studio refused. Uh, if you want a little insight into my life, uh, just, I have a comic cover uh, from The Night Gwen Stacy Died, that storyline, framed and hung up in my living room, and I'm looking at it right now. Um... <laughs>
1: Let's get a photo of you next to it. and Put it up on socials. Put it up on socials.
0: Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) So Sam Raimi was finally hired to direct Spider-Man in January 2000 uh, for a planned summer 2001 release. Uh, He'd been a fan of the comic book during his youth and his passion for Spider-Man was what earned him the job. Apparently he's an avid comic book collector in his private life uh, with a collection of over 25,000 comics. Uh, and and Rami had in fact been in contention to direct 1989's Batman uh, before Tim Burton got the gig. So James Cameron's uh, sort of the work he'd done on a Spider-Man movie then became the basis of a new screenplay written by it's our old nemesis Tom David <laughs> Coop. Co- 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 no, I, I I actually I did I looked it up. I did some research. Apparently. K-O-E-double-P apparently it's David Kep David oh. Kep
1: yeah. that's just confusing
0: it's the last thing I would have guessed um, yeah. so Kep's first draft screenplay was apparently very similar to Cameron's uh, and still featured Cameron's versions of uh, Electro and Sandman as villains Uh, But then Kep's second draft rewrite substituted the Green Goblin as the main antagonist and added Dr. Octopus as a secondary antagonist. Uh, This was at Sam Raimi's insistence because he felt the Green Goblin and the surrogate father-son relationship between Norman Osborn and Peter Parker would be more interesting. Uh, And then later on, Dr. Octopus was dropped from the film entirely. Uh, In June, Columbia hired Con Air and Gone in 60 Seconds writer Scott Rosenberg to rewrite Kep's material. Uh, but remaining constant in all the rewrites was the organic web shooter idea, uh, from which had originated from uh, Cameron's treatment. Uh, apparently, Sam Raimi felt that it would stretch the audience's suspension of disbelief too far to have Peter Parker invent mechanical web shooters. So it's totally fine for a radioactive spider to bite you and give you spider powers, but for a teenager to invent web shooters, mechanical web shooters, is, is just beyond the pale. After the film's release, uh, Marvel uh, actually made a decision in the comics to have Peter Parker undergo a further mutation, which included having him shoot his own webbing rather than uh, use his artificial webbing from his web shooters, uh, a move which was met with some controversy. Uh, However, this was later undone in 2007 after the events of the One Day More... No, One More Day storyline it's not lame, one is. day
1: more <laughs>
0: <laughs> another day with Mephisto no one more day storyline uh, which rebooted the Spider-Man canon uh, the final film also changed the radioactive spider which bites Peter Parker to genetically designed super spider as again it was felt that this was more realistic they were like if he if he gets bitten by a radioactive spider he'll just get cancer and die um, whereas yeah genetically designed super spider that'll give you powers sorry um as production neared, producer Laura Ziskin hired Alvin Sargent, who is the uh, Oscar-winning writer of Ordinary People, uh, to polish the film's dialogue, primarily between Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Uh, Columbia gave the Writers Guild of America a list of four writers as contributors to the final Spider-Man script, including Rosenberg, Sargent, and James Cameron, all three of whom uh, voluntarily relinquished credit to the fourth writer, Kep. Uh, the title page of David Kep's April 14th, 2000 draft of the Spider-Man screenplay included the disclaimer, This material is the exclusive property of Columbia Pictures Entertainment. Unauthorised transfer, photocopying or reading of this material will result in the growth of large yellow pustules on your fingertips and hands, which, given your habitual self-abuse, did you think we didn't know, will soon spread to your, <laughs> your genitalia. Also, posting, reading, or discussing this screenplay on the internet is a sure sign that you have failed to fill your empty life with worthwhile activities of your own, and it may be too late for you. Don't blame us, you were warned.
1: They know their audience, don't they?
0: So, uh, at this point, casting began. And of course, in the final film, uh, Toby Maguire played uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Uh, Maguire had never read a Spider-Man comic book, but took the role because he liked the script in an article published at the time titled Toby's lonely childhood will help him in (laughs) Spider-Man role. Uh, he said, I felt like I was an outsider. I think what happened to me made me develop this street sense of watching people and working out what made them tick. Uh, wondering whether I could trust them or not. I went to a lot of schools along the coast in California, made few friends and stayed with aunts, uncles and grandparents while my folks tried to make ends meet. It was tough. We had no money. Uh, the studio had expressed interest in actors again. Leonardo DiCaprio he was he was considered uh, in even at this stage, early noughties, to play Peter Parker. Uh, Jude Law was apparently also a favorite. Jude Law,
1: how <laughs> old was he at this point?
0: I don't know. he Probably
1: like Jude Law was doing like AI and shit. He was he at this point he was like he must be at least thirty. There's no way he could pass as a, like an eighteen year old.
0: I mean, Tobey Maguire doesn't exactly look like a.
1: Wow, he's got he's got a young face, isn't he? Together McGuire.
0: I like Jude Law's wizened. Um, yeah.
1: He was already like losing his
0: hair then. <laughs> so Us taking pot shots at Jude Law. <laughs> no, uh, I love Jude
1: Law, he's one of the most attractive men of all time. I'm just saying. He's uh you know not Spider Man, uh, is he? Uh
0: Chris Klein also apparently Chris Klein. <laughs> <laughs> Just his have name. His
1: Mama Mia, have you seen his Mamma Mia um, audition? Take?
0: <laughs> I have, but I'd love to see it again. <laughs> hey, by the way, you guys have Mandy Moore in here? Yes. She is an angel of all angels. I don't know if you guys saw American Dreams that her and I did together. Uh, where I too sing hopefully better here than I did up there. That was acting. This may be slight singing, but she is just a dream come true. You should hire her on the spot. She's amazing. Anyway, that's my own personal I love Mandy Moore scenario. Let's go, shall we, right. before I embarrass myself further. Alright, yeah, yes. right, here we go. Good job. Good job. I wasn't jealous before we met Now every man that I see is a potential threat And I'm possessive, it isn't nice You heard me saying that smoking was my only vice But now it isn't true Now everything is new And all I've learned has overturned I beg of you A bit in that is where he knows he's hit a, a bum note and, it, and he quickly, yeah. he quickly adjusts. He's like, no, yeah. drop, drop an octave, Chris. Um, Wes Bentley, he was also apparently uh, in, oh, yeah. in in line to play Peter Parker. Um, and Heath Ledger, um, who, who would, oh. of course, go on to to play the Joker magnificently in uh, in The Dark Knight. Uh, also, apparently after Peter Parker were uh, Topher Grace, who later played uh, Eddie Brock, Venom, in Spider-Man 3. I always... I, <laughs> Dover Grace...
1: Is it a diss to say he's a poor man's Tobey Maguire?
0: Because that's... <laughs> well, yeah. But I always... I mean, I always I always felt like he was hired. They Like, he. I, I don't think he was the right casting for Spider-Man 3, but I see what they were going for, where they were like, we. he's the dark side of Peter Parker. We want to cast someone similar to Tobey Maguire. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Good, good idea, yeah. Yeah. Right, was it a good idea? No, but, you know. Um... <laughs> Josh Hartnett, he was apparently up for it as well. And uh, and Freddie Prince Jr. Um They're all too good
1: looking. They're all too good looking. I know I know people could say that about Tom Holland now, but no, they're nah, nah, You gotta have a bit of that's why I like Tom Maguire. You gotta have a bit of uh, realism about the fact that he's a, a down in his luck teenager. Uh
0: Scott Speedman, uh Jay Roden, who would later play Paolo Bardosa in Footballer's Wives. Um they were they were also involved in screen tests for the lead role imdb also claims uh that frankie munitz was up for the part now again i i did some research and uh he, he would have been he would have been 15 at the time which i know spider-man is meant to be a teenager but i i'm gonna consider that stamp i am debatable i'd like there's no way to, frankie munitz was up for spider-man i don't believe it um
1: i can't believe zach braff wasn't up for it he was he was hot, he was a hot property at the time in 2002
0: uh, so uh, and there's there's a voiceover in Spider-Man. He got that. Yeah. He got that down pat after Scrubs. Yeah. Would have been great. Yeah. You could have cast um, uh, John C. McGinley as Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Just get the Get <laughs> the whole cast oh, in. Oh, that would have been amazing. Sarah yeah. Chalk as Mary Jane. Yeah. Get, the, get them all lined yeah. up. Um, So Tobey Maguire was cast as Peter Parker uh, in July 2000, having been Sam Raimi's primary choice for the role after he saw The Cider House Rules. Uh, Raimi felt that Maguire's performance in the film embodied much of the character and personality traits that he was looking for in Spider-Man. The studio was initially hesitant, uh, feeling Maguire didn't fit the sort of superhero mould. But as you said, that's sort of the point. Um, and he managed to impress studio executives with his audition and he was then trained by a physical trainer, a yoga instructor, a martial arts expert and a climbing expert, taking several months to improve his physique. Now, this is what I'm saying. If I had several months with a physical trainer, a yoga instructor, a <laughs> martial sticky. arts expert and a climbing expert, and if I cut out the KFC, I could look like Toby <laughs> Maguire in Spider-Man. Not like Chris Hemsworth in Thor, but perhaps Toby Maguire in Spider-Man. Um, Chris Hemsworth in Thor in Endgame. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's 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 how that's I look attainable. now. Yeah. yeah, it's not even attainable. <laughs> it's reached, my friend. Um, I'm there. I'm there. Um, uh, also, cast in the film, of course, Willem Dafoe as Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin, in what I think is fair to say is one of the all-time great comic book movie performances.
1: As of today, Oscorp Industries has surpassed Quest Aerospace as the principal supplier to the United States military. In short, ladies and gentlemen of the board,
0: costs are down, revenues are up, and our stock has never been higher. Wonderful news, Norman. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, it's the reason we're selling the company. What? Yes, Quest Aerospace is recapitalizing in the wake of the bombing. Expanding. They made a tender offer we can't ignore. Why wasn't I told? The last thing they want is a
1: power struggle with entrenched management. The deal is off if you come with it. The board expects your resignation in 30 days. But you can't do this to me. I started this
0: company. You know how much I sacrificed? Oh, Max,
1: please. Norman, the board is unanimous. We're
0: announcing the sale after the World Unity Festival. I'm sorry. You're out, Norman. Am I? What a dick that guy is. Um, so, Nicholas Cage, Jason Isaacs, John Malkovich, and Jim Carrey... Uh, were considered oh. for the role of Norman Osborne, but turned down the role, as did Mel Gibson, John Travolta, uh, Brad DeReef, and Robert De Niro. Uh, Billy Crudup was apparently a favourite, Bill Paxton was also considered, his father John Paxton plays Norman Osborn's groundskeeper in the final film. Uh, but Willem Dafoe was cast uh, in November 2000 uh, and he insisted on wearing the uncomfortable Green Goblin costume as he felt that a stuntman could not convey the character's necessary body language with a 580 piece suit uh, taking half an hour to put on and Dafoe also performed 90% of his own stunts. Now. The look of the Green Goblin is, I would say, one of the less successful aspects of of, <laughs> of this film, which I do I do love. Um, but before settling on the look used in the film, the original headgear created for the Green Goblin was an animatronic mask created by Amalgamated Dynamics, which was much much closer to the original comic book look uh whereas the final look was criticized for its cartoonish design and for prohibiting expression now this is probably uh one of the most egregious examples of won't translate to audio ever in fact we may just cut this out entirely but tom just so you can get a look and we can get your reactions um here is uh the original green goblin mask how it was supposed to look
1: wow look at that something out of legend Terrifying. Like, obviously, doesn't translate to audio, but absolutely terrifying. Like, scarier than anything CGI could do. But I could see why they probably didn't go for it. <laughs> probably thinking of the, the kids watching
0: <laughs> it Apparently, too much. they did think it was too scary. But, yeah. Um, we'll, well, We'll get on later to how suitable or not Spider Man was uh, for, for kids. Um, so, Kirsten Dunst played Mary Jane Watson in the film. Uh, Kate Hudson turned down the role uh, in order to appear in The Four Feathers which, of course, we all remember. Um, uh, Tara Reid was apparently considered. So you could have had uh, Tara Reid and Chris Klein, American Pie Reunion. Um, Didn't happen. Also auditioned, apparently, uh, Kate Bosworth, Eliza Dushku, uh, Mina Suvari, Jamie King, and Alicia Cuthbert. Uh, But Dunst ultimately won out. Uh, Although before casting Dunst, uh, Sam Raimi had expressed interest in uh, Alicia Witt, uh, who had previously appeared in Dune and Twin Peaks. Uh, Dunst decided to audition after learning that Toby Maguire had been cast, feeling that uh, his casting meant the film would have a more independent feel. Uh, one of the most famous scenes in which he appears, of course, is, as mentioned, the famous upside-down kiss, which uh, looks mm. very very romantic on screen, but apparently it was not all that enjoyable for Tobey Maguire, <laughs> who was hung upside down for quite some time, uh, with water being like poured at great force like, down onto him. So his uh, his sinuses kept filling up with water while he was trying trying to kiss Dunst. Uh, it's a living, isn't it? It's a living. Uh, James Franco uh, played Harry Osborne, although uh, he had originally, again, screen-tested to play Peter Parker. Uh, now, again... Too
1: good-looking, too good-looking. Far good too... Looking.
0: I would argue too good-looking to play Harry Osborne, who is meant to be sort of on a, on a par with, with Peter Parker. He's meant to be, like, yeah. an, another kind of nerd... Um, and, yeah, Franco looks like James Dean. But, you know, it's 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 a fine performance, but maybe not reflective of, of comic book Harry. So, again, I've got some names um, who were apparently considered for the role of Harry Osborn, and I've I've split them into two categories. Uh, the first is names that I actually believe may well have been up for it, such as Jason Lee, Justin Long, uh, and Bill Hader. Um, and then there's some names that I'm going to call bullshit uh, Patton Oswalt and Jack Black both, both of whom were in their 30s at this point and again I know these are you know grown adults playing teenagers but I don't think Jack Black at 31 could have passed for a, a, a high school student yeah this was uh, a
1: year before School of Rock so I can't imagine
0: yeah um Cliff Robertson played Uncle Ben uh, and Rosemary Harris played Aunt May Although apparently Marion Ross from Happy Days Was was also considered uh, And of course J.K. Simmons plays J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> The publisher of the Daily Bugle um, Some of the actors considered to play uh, Jameson uh, Alongside Simmons were Arlie Ermey uh, Who was terrifying in full man oh, ja- yeah. jacket yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hugh Laurie uh, Dennis Farina oh, um, nice. w- Would have been interesting uh, Michael Keaton um, Wow Tremors star, Fred Ward. Um, yes. <laughs> it's a great lineup. Like all, all would have been great, I think, in yeah, their own ways. Hmm. Um, and again, Bill Paxton, who was also up for Norman Osborn. Uh, but Simmons was so iconic in the end that when the modern MCU movies introduced Jameson in 2019's Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, that film's director, John Watts, said, we thought if we're going to have J. Jonah Jameson, it had to be J.K. Simmons. There was never any discussion about it being anyone else because it just wouldn't have felt right. Who is Spider-Man? He's a criminal. That's who he is. A vigilante. A public menace. What's he doing on my front page? Mr. Jameson, this is a page six problem. We have a page one problem. Shut up. They're really important clients. They can't wait. They're about to. Mr. Jameson, it's like this. We double booked page six. See, so both Macy's and Conaway's both have three quarters of the same. We sold out four printings. Sold out? Every copy. Tomorrow morning, Spider-Man, page one, with a decent picture this time. Move Conway to page seven. There's a problem with page I make it page eight and give him ten percent off. Okay. And make it five percent. That can't be done. Get out of here! Problem is, we don't have a decent picture. Eddie's been on it for weeks. We can barely get a glimpse of him. Oh, what, is he shy? If we can get a picture of Julia Roberts in a thong, we can certainly get a picture of this weirdo. Put an ad on the front page. Cash money for a picture of Spider-Man. Uh, That line there, uh, Eddie's been trying to get a picture of him for weeks. Uh, It was a reference to uh, Eddie Brock, the Daily Bugle photographer, who would go on to become Venom. Actor R.C. Everbeck was apparently intended to play Eddie Brock uh, in Spider-Man. He'd been hired to play the role uh, in a a small part, uh, but his scenes were cut from the final movie. Uh, Joe Manganiello, uh, in his movie (laughs) debut, uh, portrays Peter Parker's bully, Flash Thompson. Uh, Although, again... Also auditioned to play Peter Parker. Far too... Far, 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 far too good looking and
1: just buff. Oh, what, was he buff then? I assume he was buff then. I, he always has I, been buff.
0: I think Manganiello came out of the womb buff, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> in a 2014 interview, Manganiello revealed that he was offered $100 by two crew members to actually punch Tobey Maguire in the face during their fight scene. <laughs> Why? Because they all just hated Tobey Maguire? I, just, I think they just dad it in for him, yeah?
1: Oh.
0: Bullies. I like you so much I wish you had landed that punch on Tobey Maguire uh, I'm not gonna lie and I mean and this is I had a, I had a wonderful time on that movie um, which one Spider-Man or Mighty Mike? Uh, both but Spider-Man and um, there there were there was like an electrician who uh, well there was there was a crew guy who came up to me and said listen um, I'll give you $100 if you if you hit him in the face by accident and i but, and then you know and he said and the other, some of the other guys are in on it and I went and, and I looked over and like there was an electrician plugging something in and he just looked up to me and gave me that look like you know and I went, I'm not gonna punch f- him in the face guys uh Did so,
1: you think about it
0: uh I probably wouldn't work again like well I mean, then again, well now I mean, with the Toad Tobe- McGuire what? you could have played yeah. Seabiscuit laughter
1: Now, I've never seen the Pete Holmes show, which that clip was taken from, but I don't know what the canned laughter's about. But uh, anyway, enjoyable little story nonetheless.
0: Manganiello just seems like a great guy, and he will not punch you in the face for money. So... Yeah, Although he
1: did do one of my most uh, miserable interviews of all time. <laughs> oh really? Oh, no. Yeah. It was I know I know why now? Because at the time it was when um, True Blood the final season was coming out, but mm. it was before it had aired, mm. and he, you know he was playing Alcide, and he was one of the best characters in it, and everyone you know was uh, talking to him about it, and he was there. The whole, it was only a phone interview, but he was just there going, uh, "Yeah, I mean True Blood. Yeah, I mean it's a thing, right? Yeah." And it's like, and I came off the phone going fucking useless that was boring and then like I watched the first episode of the new season Elsie just gets killed off in really shit circumstances after all that and I'm like oh that's why he didn't want
0: to do the interview because he's not even in True Blood season 7 it's ridiculous I bet he wanted to punch the producers of True Blood in the face wouldn't even have to pay him Um, so uh, Bill Nunn and Elizabeth Banks Uh, played uh, Daily Bugle editor Robbie Robertson and Jameson's secretary, Betty Brant, because it would be Mm -hmm. weird if it was the other way around. Um, Banks also auditioned to play Mary Jane, but was told that she was too old because of Hollywood sexism. Um, Ted Ramey, Sam's brother, uh, plays Daily Bugle employee Hoffman, uh, who is not a comic book character, but was an original character invented for the movie. Um, and Michael Papajohn, which is a fun name to say, uh, he plays the carjacker, the criminal who allegedly murdered Ben Parker. Until Spider-Man 3 reveals that it was in fact Flint Marker, the Sandman, who killed Uncle Ben, thus invalidating Spider-Man's oh. entire origin story, but don't worry about it. Um oh. Bruce Campbell, uh, a longtime colleague of director Sam Raimi, he cameoed as the announcer at the wrestling ring uh, that Peter Parker uh, fights in uh, and also has further cameos in the Spider-Man sequels. Uh, Raimi himself appeared off screen throwing popcorn at Parker as he enters the arena to wrestle Bonesaw McGraw, played by former professional wrestler, Macho Man, Randy Savage. What's your name, kid?
1: The Human Spider.
0: The Human Spider, that's it? That's the best you got? Yeah. Oh, that sucks.
1: The sum of $3,000 will be paid to the terrifying, <laughs> the deadly, the
0: amazing Spider-Man. My name's the human spider. I don't care. Get out there. No, he got my name wrong. Get you out tell there, him. you moron. Bone saw going to eat you up and
1: spit you out, little man. I hope you brought your mommy with We're you. Gonna We're going to break, break you Someone, someone to and then smash, smash. it. I'm going to rip off you of your feet and if you're you off alive. one by you one. Hello, guys?
0: Will the guard please lock the cage doors at this time? Hey, listen. It's some kind of mistake. I didn't sign up for a cage match. Hey, unlock the thing. Take the train off.
1: He breaks you're going nowhere. I got you
0: for three minutes. Three minutes of time. Spider-Man co-creator Stan Lee briefly appears in the final cut of the film to grab a young girl from falling debris during the battle between Spider-Man and the Green Goblin at the World Unity Fair in Times Square, which is, uh, and I believe we talked about this in our uh, Stan Lee tribute minisode when he sadly passed away, that is my favourite uh, Stan Lee cameo in any, in any Marvel movie because it's very, it's very brief but there's just a scene where there's some debris about to fall on a young girl and Stan just comes in grabs her and saves her and I love just like sta- <laughs> Stan the hero love it um, he actually had a larger cameo cut from the film uh, but you can see it on the DVD's uh, deleted scenes uh, he plays a street vendor who tries to sell Peter Parker a pair of sunglasses uh, saying these are the kind they wore in X-Men um <laughs> Octavia Spencer uh, plays a staff member at Peter Parker's uh, wrestling match Uh, And there are also other cameos Including R&B soul singer Macy Gray uh, Who plays herself performing at the World Unity Fair And Lucy Lawless uh, Who appears in a montage sequence Which sees New Yorkers reacting to Spider-Man She did the appearance as a favour to her husband uh, The creator of Xena Warrior Princess uh, On which Sam Raimi had served as an executive producer so filming officially began on Spider-Man uh, on January the 8th, 2001. Uh, the film was mostly filmed in L.A., uh, shooting in New York for just two weeks. Uh, after the terrorist attacks on September the 11th, 2001, certain sequences were refilmed and certain images of the Twin Towers were digitally digitally erased uh, from the film. Sony also had to recall teaser posters which showed a close-up of Spider-Man's head with the New York skyline, including the World Trade Center towers, uh, reflected in his eyes. Uh, The film's original teaser trailer also involved a group of bank robbers escaping in a helicopter which Spidey traps in a gigantic spider web spun between the World Trade Center towers. Mm. Uh, So this teaser trailer also had to be pulled. Uh, Scenes of New Yorkers throwing trash at the Green Goblin and Spider-Man perched alongside the American flag were added after September 11th to reflect the city's sense of unity and patriotism. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Um, (laughs) Visual effects supervisor John... Dickstra um, was hired to... I have no idea if that's how you pronounce his name. I apologise, John, if I've if I've mangled it. Uh, John, I'm sure anyway, John's
1: listening. John
0: John was hired um, to produce the film's visual effects in May 2000. He convinced Sam Raimi to make many of the stunts in the film computer-generated, uh, as they would have been physically impossible to achieve uh, in real life with, with stuntmen and so on. Uh, when studio executives were shown shots of the computer generated character, they believed it was actually Tobey Maguire performing stunts because the CGI was just, just that realistic. Uh, although <laughs> one scene in which Peter Parker catches Mary Jane's lunch on a tray involved no CGI. Uh, with the help yeah. of a sticky substance to keep the tray planted on his hand, Toby Maguire performed the stunt exactly as seen in the final film after 156 takes. <laughs>
1: Was it worth it?
0: <laughs> it's a great scene. Take 156 fucking hell! Come on, mine. <laughs> You're right in that. That's incredibly impressive, knowing that he did that for real. But because it's so outrageous, you assume that it yeah. is CGI. In which case, why bother? It's, it's like yeah. it's like in the latest Miss Impossible films where Tom Cruise actually does a halo jump. But it's so obscene that he does it that you don't act. I, I'm almost like, well, I don't believe he did it. But no, but he did do it. But I don't believe it. Because why would any human do that? (laughs) He might as well have not bothered. Exactly. Don't. Yeah. yeah, Don't bother. At certain points, it stretches credibility so far that even if you do it, I don't believe you. Um, Sam Raimi worked hard to plan all the sequences of Spider-Man swinging from building to building, uh, which he described as ballet in the sky. Uh, But the complexity of such sequences meant that the budget for the film rose from the initially planned seventy million dollars to around a hundred million. and CGI shots were made more complicated because of the main characters' individual colour schemes. Uh, so Spider-Man and the Green Goblin had to be shot separately for effect shots because uh, Spider-Man had to be shot in front of a green screen because of the blue on his costume, and a Green Goblin who's all green uh, had to be shot against a blue screen. Uh, shooting them yeah. together would have resulted in one character being erased from the shot, which I'm sure was a massive pain in the arse. But it's not a great deal you can do because they're, they're based on how they look in the comic books. Uh, now, did you know, Tom? Because I didn't. Most uh, certainly not. That there was. <laughs> I was surprised you even watched the film. That there was. Um, there was almost an X Men crossover in Spider Man. Ah, oh, no. So uh, in an interview to the uh, Huffington Post, uh, given in to- thousand and thirteen, uh, Hugh Jackman revealed uh, in the first Spider Man, Kevin Feige reminded me of this. We really tried to get me to come on and do something, whether it was just a gag or just to walk through the shot or something. The problem was we couldn't find the suit uh his Wolverine suit. The suit was stuck in something and so when they were in New York when I was there we couldn't get it together. Yeah. So we very nearly had like a proto MCU with Wolverine making a cameo in Spider Man. It was all gonna be one one universe. But uh. it didn't happen. Just because someone had, you know, mislaid Hugh Jackman's X Men so got lost in, in shipping. And that that's the that idea. Tardy. Wow. <laughs> um so alongside Spider-Man's release came two soundtracks, one featuring composer Danny Elfman's full film score, boom, 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 boom. and a second, uh, music from and inspired by Spider-Man, which also contains a portion of the score, as well as songs It's What We're All About by Sum 41, featuring Kerry King from Slayer, uh, miss version of the Spider-Man theme, and, of course, Hero by Nickelback's Chad Kroger, featuring so Josie good. Scott. Then the lead singer of Saliva. And I don't know about you, Tom, but when I think of Spider Man, I think of a world full of killing and blood spilling. Josie Scott looks like a character played by Jack Black, doesn't he? Like, he doesn't look <laughs> yeah.
1: real. Ah, so good, so good. Now, we, we've we done karaoke a few times. we You know, and that's always on the list, isn't it? We always do a bit of a hero and do the harmonies as well. We always pick <laughs> who's Chad, who's Josie. But I always, it always made me laugh because it was always like Chad Kroger, who, bear in mind, Nickelback only became like a worldwide thing like maybe the year before. So he's only just become like, famous. Hmm. But Josie Scott, no one knew who Josie Scott was, unless you were a massive saliva fan. No one knew who, but he got a name check, like he, but he knew he wasn't as big as Chad, so it was Chad a feet Josie Scott. Um, but yeah, back, back then, oh, that, for me, Hero, but Chagro, those two, those two great <laughs> This guys, is, sorry, I, uh,
0: <laughs> this is the most animated you've been throughout the whole episode. I knew this would happen as soon as we got onto Hero.
1: No, I'm just, I just feel like this, this song is like, uh, you know when we talk about Limp Biscuit in um, Mission Impossible, I feel like yeah. this song is really encapsulates. Yeah. My my youth and yeah. really like you know and this this is still in the era where they where film studios made an effort with a theme tune they mm. did did that back then they they most big films would go well we need a we need a big song to go with it and and you know for, you know from way back to like Brian Adams you know he would always do that kind of thing yeah um, whereas it just doesn't happen anymore sadly none of the Marvel films bothered. <laughs>
0: I'd love it. I'd love it if they had like a like a ballad. Yeah, every single film. A va- every single film had it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it does feel like it was something that um, kicked off as a result of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and everything. Yeah. I do, I do it for you with Brian Adams and, and the uh,
1: Bodyguard, and you know, you know, you know all those films. Of, of course.
0: There. But what, what I uh, what I liked in particular was when they made the spiritual sequel to uh, oh, yeah. to to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which was of course uh, the Three Musketeers, and they yeah. were like, yeah. right, okay. <laughs> We, this well, is Brian's back. That's a given. Brian, Brian's Brian. back. But yeah. like, I feel like we need to up the ante somewhat. Uh, we, we we can't just bring back Brian. Even though, who are, well, are you thinking? Who uh, are you thinking? Well, I feel like you know, if you if you're going to have someone join Brian, got to be able to compete in the gravel stakes. And also, it's the Musketeers. Maybe we should have like three of them. Three of them. So okay. Yeah. So well. So so who else has got gravity vocals? Rod Stewart. Get Rod, Rod in. Stewart. Yeah. Get get Rod. Yeah. In. yeah and then yeah, we need yeah. we need a third one. So Sting, I guess. And they're like, <laughs> well. I'm not sure there's enough for, like, three guys to to do on this song, so I we'll go, okay, we'll have Brian sing some some, some of the yeah. lines, yeah, then we'll have yeah. Rod sing some of the lines, yeah. what's Sting doing? Sting's just sort of going... Sort of copies the lines? <laughs> Sting, Sting just sort of goes... Oh, all <laughs> 4-1! And that's it, he just has like this one bit, this one bit of the song. But it wouldn't work without all three of them.
1: No, you need to sing as well, you need to sing. All for yeah, one, all, all for, for love. love. The, the, best, the best bit about... We should do Three mus- mus- Musketeers, really, shouldn't we? That's, that's, wait, that's crying out to be
0: for, for For more of that sort of uh, great banter, <laughs> wait, wait until we do our Three Musketeers episode. I might do that next, actually. Let's make it all. So yeah, now I love I love Hero as well. That song for me is is intrinsically linked uh, with this movie and just hearing it transports me back to 2002. I'm 15 yeah. again in the cinema, yes. loving watching Spider-Man. Uh, so uh, on on the recording, along with, of course, Chad Kroger and, and Josie Scott, uh, were Mike Kroger, who was the bassist of Nickelback, Tyler Connolly, <laughs> who was the lead singer and guitarist of Theory of a Dead Man, and, oh, Mac, yeah. and Matt Cameron, who was the drummer of Soundgarden. So it's like a proper, like, oh. super group. Supergroup. Um, why didn't they get... A, why didn't they just come up with the band name? Why didn't they get a name check? Yeah. So, <laughs> the song was uh, nominated for best song written for a motion picture, television, or... Only other, nominated, how dare you? Or other visual media. Uh, best rock performance by a duo or group with vocal. And best rock song at the 45th Grammy Awards in 2003. Um... And the music video, which sees Kroger, Scott & Co. perform the song on a CGI New York City rooftop uh, with footage of the movie spliced in between, was directed by Nigel Dick, um, who directed Britney's famous videos for Baby One More Time and Oops I Did It Again, two of the most iconic music videos of all time, and the video for the original Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid. So, so, (laughs) three iconic music videos and Do They Know It's Christmas by Um, (laughs) Band-Aid. Also featuring Sting yeah there you go they're always like yeah they gets stinging come on um so as you mentioned at the if anyone's listened all the way through this at, you mentioned this at the start spider-man was a, was a big box office hit uh it became the first film to reach a hundred million dollars in a single weekend uh surpassing the previous record holder harry potter and the sorcerer's stone or uh, Philosopher's <laughs> philosopher's stone. Um, which made uh, $90 million in a single weekend Uh, it earned $39.4 million in its opening day alone in the US the highest opening day at the time until it was surpassed by its sequel Spider-Man 2 uh, which made $40.4 million in, in 2004 in a single day uh, it had a total box office gross of over eight hundred and twenty-one point seven million dollars worldwide. Back then, as well, that's, back then, that's, yeah,
1: twenty yeah. years ago,
0: uh, on a budget of one hundred and thirty-nine million, it was the third highest-grossing film of two thousand and two, uh, the highest-grossing superhero film at the time, and the sixth highest-grossing film overall at the time of its release. Well. You know, like, they keep releasing, like, when we,
1: on our, on our Patreon, we, we, we moaned about Avatar reclaiming the most highest-grossing mm. film ever because I, do not, do not, it I,
0: I've forgotten that happened and I'm annoyed again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So they re-released it and now it's the highest-grossing film. It's overtaking Endgame again. Yeah. Why don't they re-release Spider-Man again? Um, because it would easily make 200 grand at the cinema worldwide. You would yeah. get over a billion, at least. Might yeah. as well, for a laugh.
0: Re-release, okay, it again. re-release all of the films in the top 10 so that they yeah. keep, like, each what <laughs> yeah. each one, one after the other, knocks Avatar off the top spot. Yeah. That'd, be, that'd be fun. <laughs> that'd be satisfying. Um, so as of uh, last year, Spider-Man ranks as the 36th highest-grossing film of all time in the US and Canada, not adjusted for inflation. Um, <laughs> and it is also currently the 58th highest-grossing film of all time. Now, I know it was 20 years ago, but it was the 6th highest-grossing film of all time in 2002 but now it's the 58th highest grossing film so 50 52 films have but, yeah, taken it since. but like
1: now now like even minions seven <laughs> will get a billion do you know what i mean it, it, yeah. it doesn't really mean much anymore because it's all I, as we've said before highest grossing just means the ticket prices now yeah.
0: it, it's not it's not footfall is it so no. it doesn't actually mean anything i i shit a, a million now at the bo- a billion <laughs> right even at the box office um uh as of 2020, it is still the sixth highest grossing comic book movie of all time, adjusted for inflation. Um, only Avengers Infinity War, The Dark Knight, Black Panther, The Avengers, and Avengers Endgame have sold more tickets than Spider Man. Um, and it was also a critical success. So, uh, <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 90%. Uh, contemporary reviews were mostly positive. USA Today critic Mike Clark. Uh, said that the casting of Tobey Maguire rivaled that of Christopher Reeve as 1978's (laughs) Superman cast of course by Richard Donner RIP The Hollywood Reporter's Kirk Honeycutt uh, said the filmmaker's imaginations work in overdrive from the clever design of the cobwebby opening credits and Spider-Man and MJ's upside down kiss uh, to a finale that leaves character relationships open ended for future adventures however there was one uh, dissenting voice can you guess who? Not Ebert. Ebert. Oh, it, Ebert? Ebert didn't like oh, it. He's so
1: he's so like all over the place, isn't he? Ebert Fickle. Sometimes he Fickle yeah, is Rod. It all depended I mean the same with any critic, but I feel like it's just the mood he was in on the day. He didn't he didn't get it. Not for Ebert that day. So
0: so so Ebert gave Spider Man two and a half stars out of four. Um, he he said that the film lacked a decent action element. Uh oh. He said consider the scene where Spider-Man's given a cruel choice between saving Mary Jane or a cable car full of school kids. He tries to save both so that everyone dangles from webbing that seems about to pull loose. Uh, The visuals here could have given an impression of the enormous weights and tensions involved. But instead the scene seems more like a bloodless storyboard of the idea. But despite Ebert's misgivings, uh, the film was nominated for two Academy Awards. One for Best Visual Effects, uh, the other for Best Sound. uh, But it lost to Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers and Chicago uh, respectively.
1: But what a niche like complaint by Ebert. He's like going on about the pulley systems and stuff. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you getting? Why are you so obsessed with that? Uh... <laughs> the, pu- the pulley systems,
0: bloody hell, Ebert. Oh. <laughs> so uh, something I wanted to address before we before we wrap up this episode is the twelve A debacle about Spider Man. You know, do you know there's there's things that in, that in no way really affect you. In your sort of day-to-day life, but it will just pop. It will just pop into your head, like like Avatar reclaiming its spot at the top of the uh, uh, you know the all-time box office, yeah. and and it would just it would just niggle at you. And I'll just go, ah, oh, that's annoying. Still annoys me now. <laughs> and and this is one of those. So Spider-Man caused some controversy in England uh, when the BBFC rated it uh, 12. Uh, they went on record to say that it was the most violent movie they had seen that was uh, allegedly aimed at younger viewers. Many parents then complained about the decision, saying they were disappointed that children could not legally see the film. So, a new 12A rating was introduced. This was the inception of the 12A. That was introduced in August 2002. And Spider-Man, Spider-Man was re-released with this new rating, uh, along with a new marketing campaign, stressing that children could now go and see the film. Parents then complained that the film was too violent for their children. Yes, of course too it was. violent. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's, that's why it was raised twelve in the first place, and then yeah. you com- and then you complained, you got your way, and you still weren't happy. Still annoys me. Don't listen to people. People are <laughs> stupid. That still annoys me to this day. It's like the ultimate example of like people's stupidity. Ah, oh, makes me furious.
1: That's a two geeks uh, quote. People are stupid.
0: Hey, Paul yeah. That's the Paul quote. Uh, so in January 2003 Sony revealed that a sequel to Spider-Man was in development and would be produced and directed by Sam Raimi once again uh, on March the 15th 2003 a trailer revealed that the film Spider-Man 2 would be released on June 30th 2004 more on that perhaps in a future episode uh, <laughs> but now this is interesting If you're still listening, in 2003, (laughs) uh, an animated series was launched set in the continuity of the Spider-Man movie just a year after the film's release. Yeah. Featuring, do you know who played Peter Parker? No. Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, Oh. Yeah. So uh, set shortly after the events of 2002 Spider-Man, this animated series sees Peter Parker uh, and Mary Jane Watson and Harry Osborn start attending Empire State University together. to bulldoze the Villaroy Tower's housing project, then the people who live there should be compensated. 90% of those people work right here on campus. Where will they work if they're displaced? Where will they work if they have to look for a place to live? She's got a good point. A lot of your wild-eyed student radicals agree, and some just love the idea of a good protest. I wish I could say I was either one of those, but here I am, a college freshman, yet still on the outside looking in. And, as is often the case... I find myself looking at her. That's Mary Jane Watson. If someone would just pay me to take pictures of her, who am I kidding? I'd take that job for free.
1: Not the best animation in the world, but you know.
0: We- weirdly, it, it's because it's very early CGI animation. It's dated worse, I think, than yeah. than the '90s Spider-Man uh, animated series. looks looks a lo- looks like a PS2 cutscene. But um... so,
1: well, this is co- in continuity with the. Yeah. That makes. But there's nothing similar to anything. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Well, none of them resembled anyone at all. Um, Well, yeah. Vaguely, they look the same. And this is a sequel to the first film. Yeah. Even though he's now a dork again. I suppose he was still a dork at the end of this one, I assume. Yeah, I, I can't mean, remember. Is he still a dork? I can't remember. At what point? <laughs> at what point does Peter Parker stop being a dork? Well, I thought Mary Jane at least liked him at the end of this one, and fancied him a bit. And, yeah, yeah, no, she did,
0: know. she did. But he, do you yeah. remember? Do you remember? He like turned her down. He was like, no, nah, I can't, cause I have got to be Spider Man. Sorry.
1: Uh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I enjoyed Neil Patrick Harris's voice work. Anyway,
0: it was. It, yeah. Well, it it was uh, giving it his all, and uh, this series also oh, yeah. featured uh, Lisa Loeb as Mary Jane, uh, Iron Z- Iron <laughs> as Harry Osborn. Rob oh, Zombie as the voice of the lizard, and wow. uh, Final Destination's Devon Sauer as Flash Thompson. And, it's come up a few times, Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin, a role he'd first played in 2003's Daredevil movie. So, wow. along with Hugh Jackman's <laughs> planned cameo, does that, <laughs> yeah. if this film is in Spider Man's continuity, does that suggest that this Spider Man film is in a shared continuity with not only X Men, but also Daredevil? It's kind of again. It's like it's like the proto MCU, the MCU that almost was.
1: There you go.
0: But this has got to be one of the first
1: or the last, rather. You know, like back in the nineties, <laughs> any film had its animated version, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then I don't remember there being anything like this in recent memory. So this is this has got to be one of the last times that TV companies were like, "Come on, let's uh, do an you... animated version of you know."
0: Have you already forgotten about the Rocketeer animated series? Come on. <laughs> I mean <laughs> now, I, I know and, you
1: and and Fast and Furious what's it called? Turbocharged
0: or something, what was it called? <laughs> Spy races. On Netflix. Spy races. It's Christ. coming back. Yeah. It's coming back. It's a throwback. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. There's yeah. no there's no Godzilla the animated series anymore, is there? No. Um, and 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 good. Um, so despite strong reviews and decent ratings, uh, this Spider Man series was cancelled by MTV after just one season. Um, it also events that we see in this series contradict what later unfolds uh, on the big screen in Spider-Man Two and Spider-Man Three, so this is like a almost like an alternate sequel to Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, I don't consider it canon.
0: <laughs> to be honest, on the basis of the the thirty seconds I just watched. Yeah. yeah. Nah, now nah, I gotta rule that yeah. out. Um, so now, now of course, you know, uh, flash forward twenty years later, Sam Raimi is returning to Marvel to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness which is just a fun title to say. Um, And this, coupled with the introduction of a multiverse into the MCU and the confirmed return of actors uh, featured in the Raimi movies, including Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus from Spider-Man 2, have sparked rumours that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, who starred in the two amazing Spider-Man movies, will reprise their roles in Spider-Man No Way Home, which is out in just five months. So, really? God. They haven't...
1: I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to do here. Cause t- Tom Holland keeps coming
0: out and then, you know, saying, Nope, not happening. Well, and Andrew Garfield has denied it as well. And recently, uh. recently, you never know how much to, 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 invest in this stuff. There was a guy who claimed to have run into Tobey Maguire on the street. And he had a selfie with Tobey Maguire and he posted it on Reddit. And, and someone asked, uh, did you ask him about Spider-Man? And, uh, the guy was like, "Yes," he said. He couldn't talk about it. And then they said, "What? What? How did he react when you asked him?" And the guy said, "He smiled and winked." And I'm like, "Did this happen?" <laughs> like, I, I'm not even convinced the selfie's real. Maybe you just photoshopped that. But I like the idea. Of Toby just like not saying anything, just giving him a little a little wink.
1: But I what, what's the line? What's the line in Spider Man Three? Like, when um, he does the whole uh, what was it? Uh, oh, uh, now dig on this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did he say that as well at the same time? Um, <laughs> that's that 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 should be when table Maguire returns uh, when it when he appears in the MCU yeah. for the first time. His opening line should be "Now dig on this."
1: <laughs> but J, so J K Simmons appeared, didn't he? Correct in the last one. Yeah. So that was is that the first inkling of what they're about to do, or is that them just being silly?
0: Well, that's the guys that the billion dollar question I hope I hope it's true because it'd be such a nostalgia rush but also if it's not true no matter how good the next Spider-Man film is if it doesn't have Tobey Maguire in it I'm gonna come away feeling disappointed which is a shame because it it could be brilliant but if it's not got Tobey Maguire in it I'm not I I, I don't feel like I've got I don't think anyone's
1: crying out to see Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx and not see um, Tobey McGuire and Andrew Garfield I don't I don't get the point I don't get the point Why they would do that So surely If it's not this film It's the next film Or the or the um, Doctor Strange sequel It's got to be one of these films yeah.
0: with, well, with Sam Raimi directing The next Doctor Strange movie Well maybe... it's
1: probably that then It's probably that then isn't it Because <laughs> that, that's them Technically telling the truth it's Like oh no They're not appearing in, in Spider-Man It's because it's going to be In the next Doctor Strange film That's what it is
0: There you go It's my prediction yeah. Confirmed Yes yeah. <laughs> So that is it. Um, if this got your spidey sense tingling, head to geeks2beers.com for more semi-drunken drivel, uh, where you can hear 90-plus episodes of this sort of nonsense. Uh, we're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, and all other good podcast outlets. And while you're there, please, please uh, give us a rating and a review. We would very much appreciate it.
1: And uh, as ever, please follow us on all our social channels, which is at 2GeeksCast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for some uh, special uh, exclusives on there, plus um, some updates on our latest recordings so you can get in touch before we record our next one and all that.
0: Uh, you can also email us, podcast at 2 geeks 2 Uh, Send us feedback, thoughts and suggestions for future episodes and we're also on Patreon where you can sponsor the podcast, help to fund our recording sessions, uh, pay for our equipment all your money goes directly back into making the show and you'll also get special bonus material as if this wasn't enough hearing us <laughs> wang on about spider-man for over an hour uh, you can also get exclusive patreon only minisodes outtakes and depending on how much you donate even a mini episode or full length episode that's exclusive to you uh so until next time that's it thanks for joining us we've been two geeks and now that the world isn't ending it's love that we're sending to you <laughs>
1: so high I can hear heaven
0: I loved I loved those uh, yeah those movie tie-in songs a lot, lot of great ones uh, linked to comic book movies yeah mm. uh, Kiss from a Rose by Seal oh, yeah. Batman Forever yeah, one of my favourites yeah, yeah. yeah Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me probably oh. the, by U2 probably the best thing about Batman and Robin uh, oh, yeah. no it's, now
1: it's Batman Forever as well
0: same film no Batman and Robin mate.
1: Batman and Robin No, 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 nah I'm not having that that's Batman and Batman Forever as well trust Go- me Google it Google it I'll do it now I'll do it now you're making a fall out of yourself because you're, you're you're you know whole... <laughs> me, kiss me kill me by you two uh, from 1995 from Batman Forever mate yeah do
0: you know what I just think I couldn't quite believe that there'd be two songs that good <laughs> on one on one soundtrack I know wow I know alright yeah. mind blown fair enough um <laughs> Also, you know, re- more recent examples. There have been a few examples. You had um, Sunflower by Post Malone and Sway Lee on the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. It's a great song. You also had, of course, the entirety of Prince's uh, Batman soundtrack from, from yeah. 1989. But there, there have been a few like lesser examples of the genre, I would say. Are you are you aware, Tom, from 1997, Steel, Men of Steel by Shaquille O'Neal... Oh, no. Um Featuring Ice Cube, B-Real, KRS-One, and Peter Guns. Who's Peter Guns? You're about to find out. <laughs> God.
1: I'm sick with it, sick. but it'll still take ten of you To take the emperor's temperature Can I represent what you Smoking it with you Past Pass the t- from east to west cute the car west Take it from the dime Where I'm from the meta still is made of Teflon Keep your best on Hit me with your best wine, baby And watch me back. you Coming through it heart- I gotta say, while that's no kiss from rose, I quite enjoyed that. It's better than Shaq Fu. Certainly not the worst yeah. thing that Shaquille O'Neal's put out into the world. It's amazing that back then, like, if you were a top basketball player, you can just do this as a side career. <laughs> like, whilst he was still, he was still top of like basketball for top another like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Top of his game yeah yeah like it wasn't like he retired and then you know like Michael Jordan well I suppose Michael Jordan did Space Jam at the same time didn't he so I think in America you can just do what the fuck you like as long as you keep performing on the basketball court doesn't matter you can keep you can do whatever you want and no one will take the piss either you can, you'll can, you be a credible was Shaq taking the piss out of, of this at the time I don't feel like he was I feel like he got away with it whereas imagine again imagine if in like in, in the 90s if like Alan Shearer just decided <laughs> right, do you know what I'm going to like right, oh, I'm oh, going to oh, release an album what, or, or Glenn Hoddle imagine Hoddle and Chris Waddle
0: yeah exactly look what happened ridiculed and everyone hated him for it ridiculous <gasps> so I think I think we've now got two poll quotes from this episode one is people are stupid and the second is in America you could do whatever the fuck you like <laughs>